All right, welcome back to Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. I'm your host Jordan here in M94.5 Studios with Moritz. It's 2020 and there's no looking back. Today we have a great guest, a talented drummer, and a very kind gentleman, David Jr. Hello and welcome back to Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. This is, Mo, you said this is episode eight? It is episode eight, including our introduction. Including the intro. So, man, seven episodes down, at least seven more to go before they kick us off the air. (laughs) Well, let's hope so. Before someone says something a little too risque, we get kicked out of here. We could still um, kick it out in editing. We could still just But we won't do that. No. Last time you said on air, yeah, let's just cut that out. I did not. No, you didn't. <laughs> I don't want anything edited here. Everything racist that David's going to say, <laughs> I want to keep it in the show. You know, that's okay. how it is. So, hi, yeah. David Junior or David Junior. What do you prefer? How do you say it? Um, you choose. Well, if I'm going to butcher it as I do um, most yeah, American yeah, things, you say um, David Junior then. So David Junior, David Junior. Well, where's your, where's where's number one, David? Junior? <laughs> no, nice man. Um, so yeah, guys, this is the first episode of 2020. How did you celebrate uh, the new year? Just in the mountains, really. You know, been to been to the mountains, been to the lakes, uh, had a bit of snow just for a few days, and uh, yeah, in Germany or in Germany, yeah, oh, gone nice. to the Bavarian Alps, and it was beautiful. Ah, oh, that's good, man. Yeah, yeah, that's such a beautiful area. Like Germany is a great country for the winter. It is if you, if you like being cold. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you if you like snow. Well, you being from the swamps, right? Yeah, you got to adjust. Uh, oh boy! Oh man! Well, that's why we went to uh, to Italy for New Year. Yeah, it wasn't that much uh, warmer. I think it was like uh, well, it was better. It was like fourteen, fourteen uh, degrees. That's all right. That's that, that's all right. Yeah. That's okay. As soon as you cross the Alps from the north, you know, temperatures gonna rise for like you know, ten degrees immediately. It's crazy, it's fantastic. But yeah, this region is really beautiful for that. Um, so David is a good friend of mine. We've been uh, musician friends for a couple of years now, and uh, he's a very talented drummer. Thank and you. Uh, songwriter as well, right? Kind of, I wouldn't like describe myself as a songwriter, but more like as a producer of tracks, maybe. You know, because songwriting is like a whole different, like, <laughs> you know, uh, cattle of fish, as they say. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Um, well, do you play? Do you play other instruments? I know you play it. Like, uh, oh, actually, I should ask you this first because I have a drummer friend who likes to make this very distinct difference. Mm. He says, "I'm not. A, I'm not a drummer. I'm a percussionist." Oh, right, yeah. So for you, is it um, more of a percussionary thing, or you're like, "No, I'm a drummer and I can play percussion." Yeah, a drummer. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would. I would describe myself as a drummer that plays percussion, but I, I didn't like, you know learn how to play the percussion but That's I, something I, that came yeah, naturally. yeah yeah I've, I've played uh played a lot of like cajon and and like you know different percussion setups that i put my put together myself like mm-hmm. uh, with like uh, singer songwriters and stuff um um played you know like congas and all that sort of stuff on recordings but mm-hmm. yeah like the core thing would be the drums, right? Okay. Yeah. And where were you from originally, actually? Um, I was born in uh, Bonn, Germany. Which in is Bonn? A, yeah. I thought you were from Munich. No, I'm not. No, uh-huh. I'm, I was born in Bonn, which used to be the capital of, of former West Germany, right? Although it's not oh. a big city, but it used to be the capital. And yeah, that's where I was born. And um, How long did you stay there? Um, not very long. Only like the first like five years of my life. And then... Um, 
came to uh, Munich. Uh, after that, went to uh, Liverpool. I think we're going to talk about that later on. And yeah. Went, Wait, slow down, yeah, slow yeah, down, yeah. slow down. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's that's where I'm from. And, uh, from Bonn. Okay. Yeah. And when, you moved to Munich when you were just a young kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, right. Okay. And what age did you start playing music? Or when um, did you get, really get into music? I did really get into music as a listener when I was about... 11 or 12 years old. Was it the dad? Um, it was like the classic thing of like, you know, yeah. uh, my dad or my family, they're, they're not like, uh, they don't have this, like, you know, people always tell that story of, you know, my dad used to have this like huge record collection and stuff. It wasn't oh, like yeah. that, right? Uh, but there was a few records and I listened to them and then uh, I got hooked on on, on stuff. Um Uh, yeah, the first thing was... What was the first uh, <laughs> verse band that got you? Um, there was two things, uh, two things very different. One one was called um, Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin. That was one of the, <laughs> really, that was yeah, one of the tracks. Believe it or not. Everyone and always, the, other yeah. one, the other one was like totally different. I think you don't know it, um, but it's, a, it's an Austrian band called Opus. And Opus. they 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 had a they had a song uh, called "Life Is Life," right? It's, it's this huge stumper where it goes like "Life Is Life," na 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 na, right? And mm -hmm. there was a live recording like of a big that, stadium, like track. a big stadium, like singing the song. Oh, that's awesome! And I was totally uh, yeah hooked by that. <laughs> when I was 12. My dad was also or 11 or something. My dad was also not the guy who had like this big record collection, but I would say he's definitely. It was funny, a funny balance between him and my brother. My brother's four years older than me. And my dad, I would ride in the truck with him. And from his side, he was feeding me like, um, of course, Led Zeppelin and Queen. And um, But then from that, I got myself into like Pink Floyd and some Bob Dylan and like Crosby, Stills mm -hmm. and Nash and Young and stuff. And then what's funny is I was so head over heels in love with this kind of music and really starting to tap into things like Black Sabbath. But then from my brother's side, He got me really into Britney Spears, In Sync, Backstreet Boys, Destiny's uh, Child. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in 98 Degrees, I don't know oh. if you remember that band, or like no. Smash Mouth, LFO. No. I was really into these cheesy uh, mid-90s pop bands at the yeah. same time that I was like, this Britney Spears song is such a good hit. Now, yeah. next, I'm going to play the Lemon song by Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I no, was at this I, I kind of left this, like, you know, left this, this phase like behind pretty quickly and went to the record stores. And um, back then it was pre-CD, believe it or not. So you went oh, into yeah. the record store, LPs were gone and you had MCs, right? Cassettes. So we were always oh, yeah. digging for cassettes. We didn't know uh, what to dig for. So we were like choosing for like cool covers, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah. and then you found stuff like, I don't know, mostly like metal and rock stuff and and that was the sort of stuff that i was into then and then working it back from the metal and rock going into uh um yeah like leaving the metal phase behind uh working it back to the 80s to the 70s rock then getting into jazz then listening to uh, electronic music then mm -hmm. basically listening to to everything later on yeah it's funny that you mentioned this um looking at the cool covers because You know, they always say not to judge a book by its cover, and that's I think that's ostensibly true. But with a record, man, you're judging that cover so fucking hard. Absolutely. How many times have you walked through a record store and yeah. seen this fresh 
super sexy, cool, alive cover, and you're like, I gotta hear what that yeah. band sounds yeah. like. Man, if you're a 12 year old and you go to a, to a, to a music store and there's a, there's a, like a Mutley Crew cover or, or oh. Appet Appetite for Destruction of Appetite Guns N' Roses yeah. with the four uh, skulls on it, mm -hmm. and, and like you go like. That's I got the coolest this. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> oh my god! Absolutely, yeah. I think one of the last uh, really badass record covers I saw was I think from 2017 or something. And uh, you know Thundercat? Yeah, uh, I think the record's called. Is it called Drunk? Or um, that's the one. The cover is um, a guy rising out of a lake uh. at, or out of a body of water, and the water is sort of at the rim of his top lip. So it just looks like this crazy half face coming out and his All eyes right. are really bloodshot and yeah. he just looks at this crazy Friday the 13th sort of, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the, what is, the, is it, is it called drunk Mo? Yes, it is called drunk. Yeah. That's a great record. Yeah. That's a real, really strong cover. I thought. Yeah. Um, There's a saying that some, uh, uh, one of my musicians friends, uh, used to say that das Auge hört mit. So the, the eyes here with, yeah. You. Yeah. It's the same with covers and on stage, right? It's got to look good. And there's nothing better, I think, than putting on a really strong record uh, or CD from, from my generation and, <clears throat> and like sitting back with the booklet, looking at all the artwork, oh, yeah. and reading the lyrics with it. Uh -huh. I mean, when Third Eye Blind dropped, I think the record's called Blue, um, I was obsessed with this man. I was, like, I was like, oh, she's 10 days late. What does that mean? What does that mean? And I was reading the lyrics like, <gasps> oh. You know, that's that's one of the very sad things about that, like the whole uh, <clears throat> digital, uh, uh, you know. Revolution uh, or Revolution whatever. or whatever in music that, that you can't, like I, I used to, uh, uh, to, to read like every fucking little note on the record, like who yeah. produced it, where was it produced, like who was the bass player you know yeah and all that sort of stuff reading the lyrics and and i would I think, obsess over it yeah people don't do it anymore you'd read but. it so much that it didn't fit back in those little plastic <laughs> uh corners yeah. anymore yeah. um but did, did you when you were learning to when did you learn to play drums because um, that's when you got really into music yeah 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 and then it was about the same time when i was learning to play drums like 11 um, 12 yeah but then it was more like casual playing like not really like did you have a drum set at home i did Who yeah, got you that? Yeah, my mom. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I was, uh, it was the pots and pans uh, story. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, classic. Oh, I Absolute love that. classic, yeah. She was like, hey, maybe you should take drum lessons. And I was like, I was like, no, I'm not going to school, to another school, like music school. <laughs> After I've been to school, I'm not doing it. She was like, yeah, maybe you want to try it out. And then, then I went to, um, to the local music school and there was this great music teacher um, like I think that's one of the most important things when you start out playing music and yes. you're young. Like you have like that one person that really, you know, gets you. Gets hooked. what you're trying. And he to was an old do. like metal rock dude. He was also playing um, um, keyboards. And basically, what we did was just after a few lessons, like every lesson would just be, or every second would just be like him playing a tune, like Van Halen's "Jump" or whatever on the keyboards. And me rocking out on on drums, mm. and that yeah, that was fantastic. You know, you felt like wow, you know, I can you get some energy. I can play it. these tunes, and it's like the best feeling in the world. You know, yeah, that's so, true. That, that yeah, is and really and fun. he also he also got me into um, like the whole. He showed me a lot of records. You know, he had this. He was the guy that had the huge record collection that my oh, okay. dad didn't have. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, he showed me all these records and stuff, and yeah, that was great. So I started out when I was about 12 or 13, but I only got serious when I was about 
17 or something you know i started to really practice the drums and yeah. how long did you work with this guy um yeah about till i was like 16 or something oh, maybe. so you like, stayed with him until you yeah like four years something like four years and oh, then awesome. yeah yeah okay and then what happened at 17 you you um i went to another drum school that was like a bit more like high profile if you call okay. it like that um did that for um about one and a half years was I this think. was this where you were learning to read sheet music um I'm actually not a very good reader of oh, I can't music. Read, I can't, I can't read, read music. I can read um, like percussive uh, mm -hmm. um, stuff, right. but I can't read like, uh, you know. I was just curious if that music. was part of it because I feel like yeah. if you're in a music school in Germany. No, it was, it was, it was a drum school, right? So, oh, okay, you, okay. so you would have to, to, to read all the drum notation, mm -hmm. but um, it wouldn't be like. Um, chords or like yeah, stuff like that. Do you, do you think that reading drum notations is harder, less hard, or the same difficulty as uh, as standard sheet music? I think it's less difficult. Yeah, less difficult. Yeah, for me it sounds. For me Definitely. it feels crazy to see like how can you write uh, like you know? Maybe it's just what you're used to. You know, yeah, if, you, if so. you're used to looking at you know proper sheet music or whatever you want to call it. Can you explain it? Because <clears throat> I know a bit about it also from school, but yeah. I think most people don't know the difference between regular sheet music in a special key or whatever and um, written drum notes. Yeah. Yeah, drum notes is just like, but basically there's just like a, a, an instrument on the drums. It may be a tom or the snare drum is assigned to to a line. Like you have the, the lines in the... In the um, Notation so sheet, is it like right? reading each beat in order that they're supposed to be hit? Yeah, it is. But is there, there could be multiple hits at the same time, of course, you know. So so basically the top line would be your 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 eight note hi-hat or whatever. And that's consistently throughout the song. That's consistent. And then you have the, you know, on the two and fours. And then and then you have the fills and the breaks. And yeah. I think I've never even looked at drum notations before. Yeah. You shouldn't. <laughs> have, you, have you ever looked at any kind of sheet music, Jordan? Yes, Mo. <laughs> I have friends who can read music. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so around 17, you went to this school. And uh, when right. was it, you know, how long was it before you transitioned into going to the UK? Um, that's a big leap. It was, yeah. Um, it was another six years then. Yeah. Six years later. Yeah, okay. six years later. I was working at the at, at a music store at the time, like selling um, studio equipment and drums and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, got serious with playing drums, playing in bands and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my best mates, he was a bass player, mm -hmm. a fantastic bass player called uh, Toby Fleischer. Lives in Berlin these Shout days. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fantastic dude. Um And he was already uh, in the UK, Liverpool, mm -hmm. studying there. Um, and we always did like, you know, different projects together. And But then we weren't living in the same city anymore. So I was mm -hmm. like, Fuck dude, that. dude, you know, <laughs> we got to do a project in Liverpool where, yeah. where he was based, right? Studying music. So I went over, we did... Um, We did a project called The Pool Conspiracy. Uh, P-O-O-L? Yes, <laughs> <Nice>. of course. <laughs> the Pool Conspiracy, yeah. I love that. Yeah, uh, we had an MC, some some guy playing Rhodes, um, my mate Toby playing bass and a, a guitar player. Mm -hmm. um, we did an EP there, um, played a few gigs around uh, 
around, in, in Liverpool. Yeah, around okay. So Liverpool. You, you went straight there like at twenty. No, no, I, I, that, that was before, right? I, I was there, ah. did the project, and ah, okay. um, we did the EP in in a place called the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts, right? Where where he was studying, and they oh, have okay. like really good facilities for like recording and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we recorded the EP there, played the gigs. I went back to Germany. How long um, was that? Like a summer? Yeah, that was like, you know, a few weeks. I okay. don't know, like maybe three weeks or something. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, we had a great time. I got to know the place and stuff and I was hooked, you know. I was oh, like, yeah. okay, you I want to do taste. it. Yeah, I got the taste. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And coming back to reading music, mm -hmm. um, if you want to study music in Germany, I think nowadays there's a, there's a few, um, you know, like private schools and stuff. There's one in Mannheim. I don't know how it works in Mannheim and stuff. But um, like basically there's like two routes, right? You have the – you either go classical or you go like jazz conservatory, right? Right. So if you want to go to the conservatory, you have to like do an audition where you have to at least, if you're a drummer – play a second instrument to a, like a certain degree, mm -hmm. maybe a bit of piano playing, okay. and you have to read music, right? If you if you don't, then you can you don't need to go there, right? Yeah, they don't even <laughs> so let you in the door. I didn't play the piano or anything other than drums. Right. I couldn't read music properly. Uh, properly. So I was like, okay, well, chances might oops. be slim, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was, it was more like a, a kind of practical deci decision as well, um, and also because I got to know the place and, and um, had the insights of what it takes to to like um, go through the audition, which mm -hmm. was. Uh, yeah, there was lots of people auditioning, and and they only had like a few places for, for this uh, Liverpool school. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I had this band. We produced uh, an album back then, a band called Trigger. Nice uh, name. Yeah. That's cool. So we, 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 we had already produced an album, which I had written some, um, some brass parts and, and, you know, just parts for it and did the drumming and blah, blah, blah. So I handed it in. Mm -hmm. um, and they were like, no, you're too late, you know auditions have ended last oh, week shit, really? i was like oh fuck you know oh man um but then i was like you know i'm it was just on my mind you know i have to i have to do this you know mm -hmm. and then i applied uh, a year later again give um, yourself a year to, yeah, to work on it got me um into the audition the stuff i handed in um i knew what was going to come um so i played a I think very good audition, nice. and then um, and then they wrote me a letter going like, yeah, you know, your audition was great, but because um, they they also do a music theory test and stuff Ooh. that I miserably failed, you know, <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, man, that's, you know that's that me, yeah. that's gonna be, ah, oh. you know, but then they were they were cool about it, you know, they were like, yeah, basically they were saying like, we know your shit in music theory. Um, just work on it. It'll gonna be all right, you know. <laughs> just put a put a bit of work into it, and then you know. Oh, that's and that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah, chill. yeah. And that was your kind of your acceptance into that school. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. That's that's amazing. And yeah. and so then from that, like, did you tell your family you were gonna go over there? And how yeah. was that process? Like, yeah. were they super excited for you? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Because I was. Um, of course, it's a big step, right? You know, and I've saved up some money and, you know, and, and I've also 
had a uh, like a room sorted and everything so i was okay yeah, so you, was, had, you was, had all that taken care of before was, you went was, over there i was cool to go over right yeah um okay. yeah packed a few boxes and a small drum kit and shipped it over right and man were you scared like i guess you only had one or two friends over there right yeah no no i wasn't what, what scared. year was this around, around um that was when i moved over it's uh 2003 2003 yeah that's okay. a long time ago <laughs> man that's cool though yeah. that's a big leap to do when you're that young i know and the funny thing is um i was just uh thinking about it today mm-hmm. um thinking about you know the podcast because it's uh being being an immigrant right or being in a foreign country. Well, yeah, just the process the of The thing is, when I was accepted, yeah. right, I wasn't sure how I was going to deal with the whole um, tuition fees, right? That's they were, what I they, to they, were, about, they yeah. were like way lower than they are today. Because okay. back then it was like when you were from, from the UK or an EU student, right? you would have to pay, I think it was about £1,500 a year. Which is compared to these days, that's it. Nothing, right? That's it. Okay, but even those one thousand five hundred, mm-hmm. um, for me, it was like mm, yeah, one thousand five hundred. Okay, mm, yeah. uh. so, but my mate, he made me aware of that thing called the Department for Education and Skills, and um, basically, it was great, and I'm, I'm really thankful for the great uh, United Kingdom. Because <laughs> um, they have this this thing where you, when you have been supporting yourself, mm-hmm. um, as in work, for at least the the uh, three last years before you started your studies, so before you have been, um, um, uh, before you can go to uh, to university if if you uh, pass the audition, right? Yeah, um, they will go like okay. We're not going to take like your parents' money or what they earn uh, um, into account, but we're going to take what you have earned into account in the last three years. And oh. if we think that's not enough to cover the tuition fees, we'll pay it. What? Yeah, it was fantastic. So, that's, that's so like with a with miracle. with uh, having in mind, you know, the the whole UK um, going out of the EU thing mm-hmm. and and stuff. I was very, very lucky, and I, I couldn't, I wasn't, you know, I, I couldn't be aware of this like back in the day, that it was a very, very short period of time, like historically, right. um, that things like that could happen, you know. Yeah, that's as amazing. A, as a German guy going over to to the UK, yeah, and basically UK government edu- uh, um, department for education and skills going like, hey, you've been accepted at an art school in our country. We're going to pay your tuition fees, right? Fantastic. Jesus, man. That's, yeah. that's like, it's making me and Mo cry over here. But do you have to, to pay it back? Like, or no. a part of it? Like no, it wasn't alone. Okay. It wasn't alone. It was, it was, they, they, they've been assessing what I've earned, like working in a music shop back in Germany. And they're going like, okay, fact is, you know, you have been accepted by this art school. Yeah. Um, so just send us all your income uh, material over the last three years. And then there's a sum uh, 
underneath that and they're going like okay it's not enough you know so did, did they <laughs> did they end up cutting it by like a third or something no they paid everything they paid everything yeah i didn't pay and i wasn't even because david was, yeah oh i God. know it was fantastic <laughs> it was fantastic i i didn't tell anyone wow. that was out of the uh, um that wasn't from the uk or <laughs> or the eu like americans <laughs> they paid <laughs> oh, like ten thousand. they would have killed you <laughs> <laughs> i know oh, man that's yeah. so wild Oh, but I'm really happy for you that that worked out that way. It That's was a fantastic. Miracle. It was fantastic. And how many years? How many years did you go to school there? Um, three years. Yeah. It's a three. Yeah. Is it three year school or your program was three years? Or is it's it the a, same thing? a regular like a bachelor's degree thing? I think it all uh, always runs. Okay, three years. So give me like a yeah. like, like rundown for us. You know, you're living in Liverpool now. Just got all this stuff settled with finances. You got a room set up. You got a couple of buddies that you play music with. And it's your first month going to Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts, right? Yeah, Lippa. That's right. Lippa yeah. So let's say it's your first month at Lippa. What's the vibe? What's the style like? You, big impressions, you know? Um, well, being a performing arts school, there's like a lot of different things you can study, uh, like <laughs> a lot of different routes. Like you can study acting. There's a, like a management course. There's like a sound technicians. There's the music course. There's a... Um, uh, community arts, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so there's, it's, it's, it's like a melting so pot. So you had the choice what? at the beginning for any of these paths. No, did, I, I, you I got was, there for drums. I was it? applying for music, um, for the, the music course, uh, and, and the instrument was drums, right? So, okay. But within the music department, you could, you could have like production, songwriting, uh, composition, uh, different like modules or whatever they they called it mm-hmm. um yeah but being like you know a, a broader um um performing arts school like the the best thing about it was like you know different different people coming together from different different angles you know the managers and the and sound technicians and the music uh, the musicians must be like a cesspool of connections absolutely you know that was the best thing about it and uh, like connecting with people and like um at the end it wasn't that much about the the tuition itself it was it was more about you know like meeting people being creative forming bands and doing like whatever playing playing music for a dance show right uh, next next day you'd go into the studio record something for for your mate um were you, you know, just uh just going out and getting drinks with these new classmates like a few nights a week and Making making vibes, making connections. Absolutely, absolutely. You bet. Let's get a pint at the oh, pub. It's time to party. One. Oh, yeah. No, the good thing for me was that um, my mate that brought me over that um, I was talking about before, my mate uh, Toby. Mm-hmm. Um, he had left by the time I went there. No, oh, no. Okay. So, and I was taking over his room in a in a in a shared flat. So that's um, how you get the place to stay. That's right. Okay. So. Um, and that was perfect because there wasn't like only uh, there wasn't any uh, people living there that were studying in the place. It was all like different people, but they were like they were like musicians. Not not all of them, but like a lot of them. But they weren't so, they weren't connected to the school. That's the same right. Way. Yeah. So okay. so that that got me a foot into like um, um, say like real world uh, uh, Liverpool as well. What was that like? Yeah. Uh, great, because cause like a lot of people tend to, um, if they're from a foreign country, you know, 
at least the first one or two years or whatever, they tend to, to be in a bubble mm -hmm. of their own community. If there is one, you know, there was a lot of Scandinavians, you know, of course they, they would like, you know, it's not a bad thing, right? No. Um, so yeah, I was, I was living with those people and was a bit like far out, like not, not like close to the, to the uni. Mm -hmm. So yeah, getting the vibes there. And, and, you know, there was the crazy people hanging around, like playing flamenco music, you know, Uh, crazy dudes sounds like it was just Scottish, really alive Scottish and... dudes playing flamenco guitar like obsessively you know coming over <laughs> I was living with a tabla player um, and, and he was like what's have, tabla? tabla is this uh, uh, Indian um, percussion instrument you know boom, 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 boom. oh that's a uh, really good impression uh, of that <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no, so, I know what you mean yeah. yeah so and they do this thing where like uh, I don't know what they call it it's like this If you're proper, if you want to be a proper tabla player, right? Or if mm -hmm. you're a tabla player, you gotta hide yourself away, like once a year or every two years for like two months, right? And just practice, really, and do nothing else except for sleep, eat, practice, right? And oh, he God. did that. Like all my nights were spent with <laughs> from next door, you know, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. But we had a lot of jam sessions and stuff, and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, yeah, then starting to play with uh, with the local people there, you know, mm -hmm. people that was at uni or or not, but most of them were, of course, mm -hmm. um, playing with uh, singer songwriters and stuff. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. sounds like a really like That's, a strong vibe and e easy to make some friends and. Absolutely, I mean, basically, it's like when you when you throw a couple of hundred young people into one building. And they all do music um, and film. It's like a creative explosion, basic, basically. Yeah, kind of. You could, could describe it like that. Yeah. In that time frame, because that's you... like what you want to do, right? You want to just yeah, you want to explore, you know, and, and everybody's yeah. like kind of on fire. And, that's a really and, good expression um, for it. Yeah, everyone's kind of on fire. Yeah, and then you end up like I don't know, not sleeping very much and just playing music all the time, and uh, yeah, dude. maybe have you know? I've always had that like the. The, the odd couple of jobs on the side but mm -hmm. um you can just concentrate on like doing music like all the time which is great and you meet yeah. like loads of people and um yeah and liverpool is famous for a good music scene right and um it does have a strong music scene and community so you can meet loads of people there and and, and play yeah You know, um, since I've known you, at least I always thought that your English was really good, and Thank I you. and I wondered if uh, you had some insecurities or some some hurdles to overcome speaking only English. Absolutely, at that time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that like uh, um, having it all around you, different I mean, accents? And yeah, that's the thing. Like you know, Scouse accent, for example, is very strong, very very strong, right? So, um, like the advantage you have. As a German guy, it's like you would be listening in your in your childhood or your teens. If you're a music listener and you're a music lover, you would be listening to loads of music. So you're you're like um, your ear is trained to the English language. Plus, you will have it at school for a few years, so you think you can, you know, talk a bit of English or whatever. Yeah. But then you come over and. Um, It's like and you're surrounded by scousers, right? <laughs> and you're like, okay, I, I don't get a word they're saying, right? So, and, and um, on the other hand, like 
for example, Scandinavian people, um, because they don't have this this thing where everything's dubbed on TV, and and oh, right. uh, um, they they grow up. Everything they watch on TV and stuff is like uh, English because it's not dubbed, right? Right. Um, so their English is a lot better. Yeah, it's really um, good than yeah. like a, a German person's English would be at, at at an early age, right? So yeah, but then I got over that, and um, I think the first night where I was like, okay, now I got it. I don't know how, how long it took. It was like probably a year or I was in the pub, you know, it was late. A few beers in. A few beers in. And, and some, some Scouse guys like, and it's very noisy and some yeah. Scouse guys like barking things at me, you know, like, going like yeah, you know, mate. And, and, and <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And I got every word he was saying. So oh, I was like, man. okay, now I got it, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I've trained my ear to the to the Scouse bark, uh, Scouse uh like, I am finally one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it's crazy to imagine people who who migrate to uh, any country and they end up going to a location of that country where the accents or the dialects are so thick. I mean, imagine if I had migrated here from America, but not to Munich or to a major city, but to somewhere in the south or in like a small town where there's like Igoidish or something. Tough. Like, yeah. Just a totally... Or if people here only spoke Bayerish, yeah, would, like this di- this Bavarian dialect as opposed to, to High German. It, for me, if everyone only spoke that, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Survive. Like language is like I found is is key. You know, like in mm-hmm. terms of when you when you when you kind of I don't know when you when you're living in a, in a, in another country, you you will have to get the get the language right yeah for sure it's still taking it it depends like you know it the level okay you know it depends on the level you you'll get it but like Mm -hmm. you can't connect to a culture if you don't speak the language which will alienate you from that culture you're in right um um, like you know in in time like before you if you if you're in a place for 10 years and you don't speak the language then you in my so in my mind, big, you can go yeah. you can go to some some other place. You know? Yeah, ten years is a, ten years is a big stretch to not learn anything. You know, of it. there's yeah. there's people living in countries that that don't like because because language is like if you try to learn a language mm-hmm. like from a from a, from another country, it's it's like it shows that you're interested in the culture, right? right. And there's a lot of cultural codes or or, or things that. That you only understand about a country if you once if you've you, got the language. Yeah, that's true in, in my mind, right? Yeah. So that's a good that's a good po- uh, perspective on that. I think yeah. it's kind of a sign of respect, and it's, it's 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 effort of trying to acclimate yourself to your surrounding. It's easier on you the more that if there's things announced. Like when I did my my last German test, some of the um, questions on the exam were um, they would play clips of like a train station. And they would say, okay, this, you know, train X is leaving from which station at what time? Is there any issue with it? And you'd have to hear this CD play this thing. And they'd play it twice. Yeah. And you have to be like, ah, okay. Aha. You'd, 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 and you would hear people walking by and like, like, mommy, mommy. And like someone drops a glass bottle. But you have to hear this voice being like, you know, attention, train X will be leaving from whatever, whatever time, but there's a 15 minute delay. And it's like, you know, if I hadn't spent any time thinking about that or being in the scenario, I would be totally lost. Yeah. Also, it's a lot easier if if you learn a language when there's no other language to fall back on, right? If you're a German guy in, in, in England, 
Like yeah. nobody will talk any German to you. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. Um, If no one spoke any English, yeah, it'd be a different game. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really true. So, but yeah, then there's. I think there's German is probably more difficult to learn than English, or I don't know. <laughs> I would say it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so when you were in the UK for these three years. Um, Were you on the road a lot? Were you get, getting into bands and expanding in your in your style? I wasn't um, on the road too much. It was mostly playing in and around um, the north west kind mm -hmm. of yeah. Um, of course, there was like the the occasional trips down to London, playing in London. You know, we did things like where we yeah. Sometimes you would go. Go to London, play a gig in London, then go go home the other the, the same night, right? Because mm. couldn't f afford a, a hotel or had to do another gig yeah. on the next day or something. Oh yeah, um, and then just ma yeah mainly playing around the north and uh, did uh, one tour of Spain at the time, um, playing playing in Germany, of course. Right. Yeah, I can definitely I can definitely relate to that. Um, I, I did I did want to ask you um, if you have a good story or a good feeling about the difference between doing gigs in the UK as opposed to doing gigs in Germany. Um, well, talking about the like uh, the north um, or probably generally in the UK, um, I feel like there's a there's a lot of opportunities that you don't have here but vice versa it's kind of the same <laughs> which way um basically like you know stuff like residencies you know there would be residencies in in liverpool you could if you have a band you know you the club owner would go like hey you want to play like every you know every thursday every friday mm -hmm. um for the next two months or whatever For, yeah if it if, if the night wouldn't wouldn't be going well then they would skip the residency but you know mm -hmm. um i never came across that much uh, um residencies here like, in, in germany know, yeah i don't it see it that often we yeah. have that a lot in new orleans yeah. as well there's um, a, a few jazz exist. acts that like right. hold down yeah. certain spots yeah. every week and in liverpool it was like you know there was always like five bands four or five bands on at one night which makes it very difficult to make any money because like yeah. uh, usually it's on the door and um when there's five bands on with like four people in them then there's there's nothing left to <laughs> get paid out like yeah um and in terms of like playing i think um like the english mentality like versus the german mentality what's that right? like, like the curious. music the music mentality is very very different because the English mentality to me is like that they're, they're very like creative you know they they kind of honor the fact that you you got the balls to step on stage and do something yeah? mm -hmm. if you don't do it that well then they'd still appreciate it you know and mm -hmm. here it would be like oh man he can't do shit you know what's he, what's he doing up there yeah. you know and and so that's very cool and that that takes away like the the fear factor And if the fear factor is like reduced, it gives room for ex experimentation and, and and like you know creativeness, right? Yeah. People come up with 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 stuff that they wouldn't come up. One hundred percent. Yeah, you know. Um, as soon as you break down that wall, yeah, yeah. just go on stage and do it, you know. And and mm -hmm. the vibe, you know, the vibe counts. Like, but there's also like this thing of understatement in 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 like the English mentality, which is like. You know they they want to make you b 
believe that that you know I didn't I just picked up the guitar last week right oh yeah but, uh, they in truth, they, they, they didn't, right? They don't want. They don't want to seem like they've been practicing. But maybe that's for years. that's very different to the to the to the American mentality as well, because the Americans, I think, maybe American and, and German mentality is similar in that way. Was like like show off and be yeah. like very good, technically very good player or whatever. You know, is something mm -hmm. that that is appreciated. That always turned me off um, from a lot of jazz guys. In, jazz in guess. England, yeah. it isn't that much, I feel, you know. It's more about the oh, vibe really? and about, like, understatement and going, like, you know, you don't want to see all the work. You don't want people to see all the work that you put in, right? Um, oh, that's really so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's very, very creative. Um, and also, like, you go to pubs and there would be people playing uh, just with an acoustic guitar mm -hmm. and they'd be fantastic, right? You mm -hmm. go like, this guy's amazing. Um, I think that comes from from the whole upbringing of maybe English people and American people as well, where you have like things like um, the American songbook or like, you know, the whole, the whole um, history of like folk songs in England where you would grow up playing guitar or playing the fiddle. Nobody plays the fiddle here. If you play the fiddle, it's classical Uh, violin right, uh, or, right and then in in that way you learn all the tunes you learn you learn like the the craft of like songwriting you learn it a lot more um um you learn it a lot easier than because it's in your blood right it's right. it's like folk music yeah like folk music in germany is a little bit different know, yeah <laughs> so it's not something that you kind of soak from from the mother's as your mother's milk, right? <laughs> so maybe that's why there's so many good songwriters in uh, in America and the UK. That's actually a really good um, question. If that has, if the, if the perspective or the the culture maybe has an influence on absolutely, that uh, totally. Um, but coming back to your question, um, it seemed like for like bands in England, mm -hmm. as soon as they have like a certain status or whatever um and they want to they're trying to move out of england touring mm -hmm. uh, for example like germany would always be the first choice to go like the first country if you want to like, come here for a lot for a lot because it's not that far away right. it's a big country um you have compared to other countries i think you have a lot of venues to play like every every little town has their own venue right mm -hmm. so you could easily string together uh, or not easily but you can string together you can like, yeah you can do yeah. you can do it you can string together a tour of like 10 or 20 dates yeah absolutely. going out of your country in this case england it's not too far away um plus like when you when it comes to like the the whole way um that venues are, are run and stuff um It's mostly pretty professional here, I think. You know, you go to, oh, yeah, you go to the so. place, you get your catering and everything, like usually, mm -hmm. and and it's it's not like that always, you know, in, in like in the UK. I plus, think. maybe maybe uh, plus ever since the Beatles being in Hamburg, Germans <laughs> just love British bands. Absolutely. Do you know? Do you Absolute. know the subways? Everybody loves British bands. The subways, yeah, I've heard of them. Um, on their second or third album, they re-recorded the their single on it. Mm -hmm. And sang the the hook in German. They released it worldwide. Ah, <laughs> really? That also was the subway. Yeah, that's why I know them. 
Uh, are they okay. the one that did uh, the the Rummenig is sexy knees thing? Uh, no. That's I'm not sure. No, we just had the football book before. Their biggest hit, hit was Rock and Roll Queen. Rock and Roll Queen. Be uh. my, be my little Rock and Roll Queen. Oh yeah, mm. guess mm-hmm. you know it. Mm-hmm. I hope it's like that. But that's a good point too, because you know, uh, when I, it, it, you just talked about how you can book a lot of small towns and stuff here, and like when in 2016 I did a self-booked like small club tour throughout Germany, and um, the hospitality and the the manners and the and the professionality of all the venues and the promoters and stuff was such a level up from all the places I'd ever played in New Orleans. You know, like you can play Absolutely. a lot in New Orleans. You have these residencies. You have this this mentality you talked about, but you don't have this like you're not going to show up to a place and have an indecent catering maybe have your own bathroom have like a little backstage spot. yeah you have a crate of beer to a share between beer. five bands you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly so that for me that was a big a big leg up and i wondered um you know gigging in the uk if it's more on the american side of like it's a bit dirtier a bit grungier a bit like diy is yeah, it? probably. I don't know. Up to a certain level, it definitely is. But there's another thing that's different. Like, um, they used to be at the shows, like, there's a lot of people that go like, you know, hey, man, you know, your ba- your band's great. Um, you guys need a manager or can I do something for you? Or, you know, there's always seems to be like people hanging around that, that kind of want to do something for you or want to manage you or whatever or promote you. Are they um, legit or is it like... Kind yeah, of... yeah, sometimes they are, of course. Sometimes they're full of shit, of course, you know, yeah. but like, um, but it doesn't happen that much here, you know? You no, could, I've you never had play, anyone approach me in person. I mean, you played club. a lot of gigs here, right? And you didn't have anyone approach you in person. Like, uh, no. in Even the UK, my last manager that wouldn't was, happen. <laughs> no, my last <laughs> manager was uh, like a Facebook message and an email. Yeah. And then the recent one was like me contacting someone with email. Everything's just email or contact through some social media or something. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of a lot more people that are like um, also like enthusiasts, right? Like, of course, there's there's the dark side of people like talking bullshit and and but right. at least you got the feeling that there's like you know something going on and people want to promote you and uh it gives uh, you a, a good buzz feeling. yeah you're like you know something we're doing is right so yeah. let's keep this going absolutely yeah um, it's a precious feeling to have that it is like, yeah oh, we're doing it we're doing yeah. it right this is okay absolutely yeah. i love that feeling when you get to that certain spot with the band and you get that little bit of attention either someone wants the song for something or they you get a- asked in person about you know next time you're playing or or whatever it is and you're kind of like all right this is not bad. This yeah. is the right thing to. Yeah, That's the right way. We're doing okay. I love that. Yeah, there's so there's a lot of differences in playing here and there. Do you I have just, some like some good? Because um, I know that you've you've traveled a lot for music. You said you played a lot in the UK and in Germany. I know for sure in Spain and and France. And do you have any? Uh, you don't have to name names, but any really crazy road stories? Because I feel like drummers and rock bands always have the best road stories. And I know you have one, I think, from France, which is pretty cool. Which one? <laughs> uh, I don't. Or maybe it wasn't in France. But you you had a, a crazy uh, experience, like at a, at a wedding gig, I think, with some mutual friends. Or you? Oh, there was quite a few wedding gigs I've played, <laughs> like function <laughs> bands and stuff. Those are always really crazy. Those, yeah. those can either yeah. be super professional or super crazy. Yeah, there was like guys falling into our. Um, 
backline and stuff. Oh, this, that's really? another difference. Uh, um, um, I'm, I just came across that in, in the UK, mm -hmm. small clubs uh, have backlines, right? Really? Yeah. There's a drum kit at the club, right? Everybody can play on it. Oh, that's... Uh, it's just a beaten beaten up drum kit in, in like small clubs. You'd never come across a club here that goes like, you know, guys, if you want to use our backline, the drum, the drum kit is crap, but you can use it, right? So never potentially as a drummer like being Show used your cymbals to, yeah, and snare or something. being used to like dragging stuff around you would go like oh great <laughs> you know, i don't have to carry my drums oh man um so so that's another like i came across multiple clubs that have like drum kits you know, and you go like, okay it might not be the best drum kit but then they have like in-house engineers that are sometimes really good yeah that are like tuned to the drum kit you know yeah. they, they, they kind of know it and so they'll get a kind of good drum sound anyway oh, I so love that. Yeah. there's a couple of venues in new orleans that have that but it's not that common it's really yeah. not that common and i never yeah. saw it in germany at all yeah but talking about france maybe um yeah i don't know i played uh played um a tour where we we were doing busking right on this in the south of france mm -hmm. three or four weeks we went down the the south of France, like the Côte d'Azur. Mm -hmm. and Beautiful. Area. Yeah. There was a few funny stories, like people throwing all sorts of stuff into the hat. Uh, yeah, you know? like what? I, at, at the beginning, we weren't aware of, like, because we weren't moving around. We mm -hmm. were, like, stationed at the harbor or something with the drum kit, and we had, we had uh, car batteries for the amps. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, you'd, you'd have to load these car batteries from time to time and then there would be a few nice girls you know like language students or whatever <laughs> so we'd have to go around the flat and recharge the batteries <laughs> we did is that what you called it yeah. <laughs> so basically but we didn't know how to make any money because we were playing and then it was like there was a hundred people there mm -hmm. like you know and nobody was throwing any coins into the hat And there was these three Danish guys. I think they were like, and they were making tons of money, like going going around the cafes with their with their just their snare drum and their double bass. Oh yeah. And so we're taking them aside, like, hey, guys, how do you do it? How how do you make money? And they were like, you know what? People here they don't throw money into the into the hat. Like you'll have to get the crowd, then the band will have to. Uh, Keep playing, and the around. singer will have to go around with the hat. Yeah. Okay. And our singer was like, "No, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm not begging for money." And we're like, "Come on, you know, you're gonna do that? Do shit. it." Yeah. And then we had like, pff, why not? I don't know, 300 a night. You know, <laughs> one night and a couple of uh, um, joints and stuff that oh, people nice. would throw in there <laughs> and stuff like that. And yeah, then you sleep on the beach because it's too late to get in. So, oh, that's yeah, nice. Though. So kind of right. We had like this old uh, van. And, um, but, um, yeah, if you want, if you want to go to a camping site or whatever, they close at 12, right? But yeah. that's when you're going strong playing yeah. on the street. So, Some people are so we had to sleep on the beach a lot. And then being, being woken up by, by policemen at seven in the morning, no. like getting a kick in the butt. Oh, you can't sleep here. You know, <laughs> fuck oh, off. Oh man. Yeah. Just, uh, just eating a lot of sandwiches and uh, sausages <laughs> and yeah. And then got, uh got broken into uh, or our car got the glass uh, the the windows got smashed in in paris when we were playing in the, in the subway it was terrible 
I want to ask. Terrible about- to play there. And then yeah. we got back, and yeah, our instruments were gone. The drums were there, oh, the drums <laughs> yeah, were there. Thank God. but the guitars were gone. <laughs> <laughs> you were just smiling like you poor guys. Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to ask about this photo on your website with you and Rod Stewart. What was that about? Um, that was just a TV show. Um, oh, just a, a TV a Christmas, show with Rod Stewart. No, it was it was a, um, a miming miming TV show. They do that yeah. a lot in Germany, don't I know. they? Like these playbacks. That's another difference, right? Yeah, like they don't do that in America. No, or they, they, at least they do it well. If we don't, yeah, you and, know. And in the UK, like it's it's actually really good to watch like late night shows or whatever because there's always like really good uh, live performances. What's that, what's that right? really famous one where they have the the band circle of bands and this one host? Um, Jules Holland. Jules oh, Holland, fantastic. man. Oh, that what a show! Opened my br- that absolutely opened me up, man. That was such absolutely. a good show. And um, if you see this as a German person, like on BBC, which is the equivalent to to the ID or ZDF like mm-hmm. first you go like this is on fucking you know the, the state TV basically yeah this is fantastic right it's unbelievable I mean and they had a they had a festival in Liverpool uh, back in the day where they copied it was just like a small festival um, can't re- remember the, the name of the location but they basically built four state they do one in Munich as well they did it in um isn't it the sound of Munich where they where they kind of try to do the same thing? That's things? the version we. Yeah. I th- we, yeah. Me and, uh, but yeah, we played yeah. that in 2017. I think it's it's, but that's a little bit different. It's kind of rushed. Yeah, and sharing some stages, but yeah, the Jules, Jules Holland thing Holland. is so it's so calm and yeah. open. And it's fantastic. I love that. But yeah, I was registered with a company, um, like an agency, um, and sometimes you get an email going like you know. Uh, you want to play a playback gig with someone. And uh, yeah, Rod Steele was a highlight, of course, you know. Um, Did you meet him? Yeah, yeah, briefly, yeah. He's a huge um, Celtic Glasgow fan. Really? Yeah, and Celtic Glasgow had played Barcelona in, in the Champions League soccer, right? Oh, wow. (laughs) For for you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Just the day before, and they won which happens once in like 20 years. And Rod Stewart was seen crying on the stands of um, of the stadium. No way. Like being, you know, absolutely uh, out of his mind. And so the next day he had this, he had this Christmas mining, miming show in Munich, like this, this Christmas TV thing, um, like Crazy. a charity thing. And so he was, drunk, he was drunk, he was drunk as fuck. Really? Absolutely. <laughs> Good. Yeah, he was always uh, only whispering. You know my my voice. You know, and I I knew why because I watched the match the day before. You know, and he he was probably just screaming all the time. You know, so his voice was gone. And yeah, but he was he was obviously still very happy that Celtic had won, and he's a very very uh, cool guy. I've just seen him play live uh, a few weeks ago. Still got it. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Very charming and fantastic voice, you know. I mean, it's what amazing a, after what a 50, voice. 50, 60 years. It's, it's unbelievable. Ever since, like, The Faces, right? Wasn't that was his first project? It was, yeah. Um, yeah. His autobiography seems to be very entertaining, though. Yeah. I would like to read that. Yeah, I'm sure it is very entertaining, yeah. And There's one story he... he, he <laughs> I, I recently read in an interview where he was asked... Asked about his hair, right? He's mm-hmm. got the spiky hair. hair. Yeah. yeah. And he goes like, you know, I, I couldn't afford the, the, the gel or whatever, the wax that you put in. <laughs> so in 
but he wanted to have like a trademark style. Uh, style. Yeah. So, so in the early days, he used to put sugar into his hair and then <laughs> stuck his head into into a heated oven uh, to let it dry. <laughs> like, no yeah, way. Just <laughs> keep, you know. That's crazy. It is. Yeah, but coming back to the um, to that agency, um, yeah, that was like a few a few miming gigs that I've done just to get some money. Was right? But it's not. It's not. Uh, I don't. That's not uh, like your passion, of I, course. I, uh, no, oh, no, it's terrible. But like, so you did this this TV appearance with him, and then uh, I saw also on your website that you've done some some film contributions. Like, had you yeah. written some music that got into some mm -hmm. some films? What, that was that was, was basically that? a friend that um, that I knew from back in the day in in, in Liverpool, and and he did uh, a few tracks for for films mm -hmm. and we did a few together um i was playing drums and a few we wrote together i think one or two we wrote together and they were in yeah they were in films uh movies um they played, yeah. they played in the cinema or they yeah was, they were played in cinema we were at the premiere awesome, yeah man. yeah they ruined the mix uh, oh no really? yeah it, it sounded oh, so you weren't know. involved with the master they, no they, no oh, no that no. sucks okay yeah but it sounded totally different in the in the cinema basically. i hate when that happens yeah um, I've seen that happen to too many good musicians. But it was a very good experience anyway. Like and yeah, and then over the years, you know, doing the the coaching and the teaching and um, and then getting into the production side a little bit, you know, um, now doing my own music, my own project. And um, just before I tap into, because uh, I do want to talk about your your record that came out last year a little bit. But just before I tap into that, I've got to ask. How you ended up playing the Olympia st uh, Stadium in Munich, the Waldbühne in Berlin, the Kometsbank Arena, the Lübeck Pop Symphony? Uh, how did how did you play with these people in Basically, this huge? Yeah, for everyone who's not German, those are Waldbühne uh, and Olympia Stadion are these are the maybe two the biggest, two biggest uh, open air stages in open Germany. Open air stages, yeah, in the whole country. That's uh, well, thank you. Waldbühne isn't because it's only like it's not a football stadium, but it's, it's, it's humongous. I saw Neil Young there, and I was oh, like, you? I cannot yeah. believe it's I'm crazy if here. you go if you go on stage because it used to be if you because there's a, basically there's like swarms on the back of the stage, right? And then ah. uh, and we did like a, a support show for Celine Dion there, and it was ah, it was an artist. Right? Yeah, um, I knew you did that Celine Dion yeah, show. Yeah. Right. It was an artist That's called crazy. John Mazek and. Basically, that came through through a connection from from the Liverpool days. My good friend, oh, uh, that's cool, Luke Gutzer. He he brought me into that um, project. I think, yeah, amazing. Yeah, and um, yeah, and you walk out. It's this very small, uh, like tunnel, right? Mm -hmm. Very, very um, like compact and narrow, claustrophobic, right? Oh, really? And then you get into this huge hall. <laughs> with like the ceiling is like 10 meters it's high, enormous right? man. and then there's this huge door that goes up onto the stage and then the um the stands are like they're like steep like yeah, that yeah. you know it's, it's really it's, it's really tall it's crazy when you when you when you're on stage there um it's like a wall of people absolutely <laughs> yeah um yeah and olympia stadium was a bit of a um circle coming full circle because i've seen one of my first big shows the first big show i've seen was uh, guns and roses uh, playing there in 92 or 93 nice so and then playing there myself was really good although we weren't we were only like the support act and and, and nobody paid like you know 
that no, but much still, of attention it's, uh, to us because you know, the, they were waiting the, for the for it's the, the chance to do it man for the big big thing yeah it was a very good experience yeah and you and I even we we played together. We supported Elbow. Oh yeah. In, oh, that was that was great. Where as well. was it in Switzerland? Um, it not not Zurich, but the the capital. No. Wasn't the cap? It wasn't the capital. No. Was it near it? Bern. Bern. No, it wasn't. Was it not? No. I'm uh, dumb. I, I don't I, know. I, I can't Basel, remember. maybe. Basel. No. Yeah, yeah. It was near, near Basel. Near right? Basel. Stimmen okay. Festival. It was. Stimmen yeah, Festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a great festival. It man. was. Yeah. Beautiful crowd. Was it like twenty five hundred people or mm-hmm, something? Mm-hmm. And beautiful that, sound, nice sound, dude, great stage. That's the most equipment I've ever seen a band take on stage. That was a lot of it was, equipment. It was on a stage. wall of Marshall amps, yeah. huge kit. Yeah, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna push everything back, and you can use the stage. What's yeah. left of the stage?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the way it, it goes. <laughs> but that was so nice, man. Absolutely. If anybody's uh, looking for a good festival, Stimmen Festival, they were they were so supportive of the of us. You know, Absolutely. They, they pushed the, the and they've got Max a fantastic name. lineup. I've just recently seen their lineup for was it this year or whatever, like the the festival they just had in in twenty nineteen. Just had it, yeah. Yeah, and the lineup was fantastic. Great headlining artists, yeah. and they are so supportive of the of the opening act. I never see that. I never see that. Yeah, and they really they pushed the name. But it was the same. Like up. it was the same uh, on on that tour with with Celine Dion because we weren't basically we didn't have, even have a tour manager and just went there with a with a bus driver and and the band. Uh, we didn't. And it wasn't kind of clear if we had to bring our own mics or whatever, or like you right. know, in yeah, ears. You know. And we were like, okay, maybe we're showing up and we're totally screwed because everybody would go like, "You're fucking amateurs," you know. You didn't bring anything because it wasn't it was wasn't that clear, you know. Right. So what happened? Yeah, I remember because Waldbühne was the first gig, I think. So I went into the produ- production office because, like, okay, here we are, and uh, yeah, and everybody was like, "That nice." And they sorted really? us out like 100%, you know. Oh, I love and that. It, it was it was crazy good feeling. Like That goes a long way, yeah, man. Absolutely. It changes everything. You, you go into the, uh, we went into the, uh, like backstage. And there was a, there was a bunch of flowers with a card from no. Celine Dion going like, hey, happy, happy to see you here, guys, and have a good one and stuff. <laughs> Shit, it was, it was really nice, yeah. Um, well, that's cool. And uh, you you recorded and you released an album last year. I did, yeah. Called Digging and Release. That's true. And the the artist's name was is it? It's my project. The, project the next name, little yeah. thing. The next little thing. Right. So how did you come up with the with the with the name of this this artist? Uh, I don't know. It's like name. it's the next big thing, right? But it's not. It's maybe because I've stringed so many projects onto each other mm-hmm. over the last years. It has a really diverse sound. Um, Every track is really so. So I, I, I thought like, in my mind, it was like the next little thing that I, I, I was like going to do, you know? So yeah. um, maybe there's a bit of understatement in it or, or whatever. And, I think it's kind of cheeky. Work, work like a little like... A bit cheeky, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just trying to to get into the to the production side of things a bit more and um, produce my own music and um, yeah. Played a lot of instruments myself. Did you play everything on there? Uh, not everything. No, I have great guest musicians. Because um, there's a lot of really cool sounds. On yeah, there. yeah. I've played like a lot of bass, um, drums, percussion, um, keys, guitars. Um, I picked up a guitar. I never played a guitar, but I picked one up 
you know. And you just, had never played one no, before. Oh, but wow. But I picked one up and played a few lines and chords, you know. Nice. But then I have, uh, that was also like one of the things I wanted to do with this project is like, you know, invite friends or people that I've crossed paths with, with uh, over the last years mm -hmm. to be part of, of, of the thing, right? So. Who's yeah. some good uh, Munich uh, artists you got on there? Yeah, there's a fantastic uh, player called Florian Riedel on there. He plays uh, fantastic. Um, like woodwinds. And, yeah, he uh, plays everything, you know. He's super the, talented yeah, guy. Yeah, plays a, a great solo on one of the tracks. And uh, Reinhard Kreiner, fantastic uh, trumpet player. Um, Luke Götze plays some... Uh, some super talented. Acoustic guitar, acoustic guitars and, uh, and some bass on one track, I think. And yeah, he does. And Knut Menzing, he's a he's a fantastic guitar player that uh, yeah plays a plays a bit of guitar, um, and a good friend of mine called uh, Yeti Hübner, she sings on one of the tracks, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So basically, so how long did it take you to to get all the ideas uh, together for it? Oh, I think it was about. One and a half years or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big sound. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a really explosive sound. Yeah, a lot, a yeah, lot of layers yeah, and yeah, it's like yeah, it's influenced by all the stuff that I've listened to over the years. You know, mm -hmm. you could hear you could hear some maybe some George Benson on one of the tracks. You could hear oh, yeah. some uh, like the black exploitation kind of shaft kind of sound. Yeah, like the chase is really yeah. There's a bit of a uh, bit of like early two thousands new jazz influence on it, um, like Kruder and Dorfmeister or Saint Germain or stuff like that. Mm. Um, it's a bit of like massive attack on one track in there. So Definitely. yeah, that different influences and in, and in just trying to. Uh, do a thing that is like, uh, yeah, hundred percent my own. Um, Where did you record it? I recorded in my in my um, studio space here in Munich. But some of the stuff I recorded at home, right? Yeah, but the drums in in the studio space and uh, at home, at a friend's place, nice. everywhere really. Like just taking the laptop and and that was one of the things I, I wanted to do as well, like keeping it like super uh low key right no no big equipment nothing right just mm -hmm. the laptop and an interface and a few mics nothing more simple and, yeah, and a few need. and a few and a few instruments you know and then um yeah mixed it myself and gave it to um to a fantastic um mastering engineer in liverpool the loft mastering mike cave oh great and yeah he mastered it and um now it's there and uh excellent yeah i'm i'm really happy that it's out <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful record <laughs> it's done. thank you it's really really well done really yeah. well crafted um and is there any are there any new uh concerts with, with bands coming up or new releases or anything you want to push um, i'm working on 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 like the second release at the moment um starting to to get the the chapter two going excellent yeah uh, very cool starting to get that going um and that that'll be my main focus, like yeah, because yeah, because um, I kind of tapped into something and and um, just want to expand expand the whole the whole yeah doing my own thing absolutely. Uh, 
I just had one more question because it just popped in my mind. Um, we were talking about differences between UK and uh, and Germany, especially for music related things. And um, before we started off mic, we talked about rehearsal spaces because oh, my, yeah. my feelings about rehearsal spaces in Germany, or at least in Bavaria, is so so negative because I feel like they're shoving musicians very far away from the city, underground, dirty warehouses. Everything's loud and cramped and cold and How was it? How was it in Liverpool for rehearsal spaces? Mm, well, being at uni, you could rehearse there, right? Yeah, that's pretty um, dreamy. Yeah. But if you wouldn't be rehearsing there, it will usually be warehouses, mm -hmm. attics, yeah. um, but also the occasional flat. Because when it's like a when it's like a small uh, acoustic setup, you know, somebody playing guitar, singer, songwriter, a bit of percussion, um, maybe double bass or whatever, and you know, it's it's not that loud. Mm -hmm. You could you could also like rehearse in 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 flats and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I feel it's the same anywhere really. Like I spent a few few years uh, living in Berlin as well, uh, and it was kind of the the same thing there as well. Like. Just the inner city, the inner cities is like it's it's difficult. Um, plus, if you have a space, if you, if you're someone renting out, you will, uh, you know, it'll be very expensive because because people tend to to um, to rip off musicians as well. Like if yes. I see like the amount of money that some rehearsal spaces get rented uh, rented out for if mm -hmm. you if you break that down to the square meter it's absolutely horrendous really like for that price per square meter you could rent a fucking loft and what is it, it it's um, mostly it's just a shithole that somebody rents out for like 25 square meter or something people you know? love to scam musicians yeah. man it's crazy you know but um they're also doing great things um like funding Like um, there's this thing going on in Munich where where you you can apply for funding for your for your rehearsal space, mm -hmm. which I think is great. They fund a lot of people. Um, it would be even better to build new rehearsal spaces. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be great. I think I think we just, I think, just I think build more. Yeah, spaces. I think it's the same in 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 any city really. I think it's difficult, like rehearsal spaces where it's like loud and and rock bands you know yeah <laughs> you don't want to have that as your as your neighbor if you if you, you know yeah that's uh, that's kind of the curse of it in general uh, well it's terrible i've had an i've had an odyssey with with being a drummer in 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 rehearsal spaces i've had so many and and you yeah. know and moving in and out of places and yeah but But it's worth it. I mean, yeah. you know, there always comes, you know, yeah. the, if if one place is 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 gone, there there comes another one, you know. Yeah. Wherever they push us. Yeah. We'll we'll be there. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll keep fighting through yeah. it. Oh man. Well, uh, David, I just want to end um this this great conversation. First I want to say thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. We're so glad that you were able to come by today and talk about your great music and your great stories with Celine Dion and Rod Stewart and ah. Liverpool and um <laughs> Mo, I just wanted to ask, what was the name of this game that we would do where they have the voice of God? Grand Statements. Grand Statements. OMG. It's going to make a lot more sense when we put some <laughs> reverb on there. Um, so I would like to end with Grand Statements. It's one of my favorite little uh, things we do at the end. So, you, uh, you're God in heaven. 
and you have a chance to address the entire world at the same time with one profound message from the heavens. What's the one thing, one sentence that you say to the whole world? (laughs) Could be anything. Could be anything. Uh, Could be anything. Well, being an RT chat, I'd say... uh, Creative piece of art today, even sucks. Oh, very nice. <laughs> you like that one? I like that one very much. That's really cool, man. Straight from the heart. It's good. Isn't well, uh, David yeah. Jr., uh, the next little thing, digging and release, available everywhere. Check it out. Great songs. And uh, David, thanks for being here, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jordan. And um, yeah, looking forward to listening to your next episode. <laughs> Absolutely, man. All right. All right. See you later. Take care, bye. Night, baby. The saints are coming through. And it's all over now, baby blue. Are you or someone that you know an artsy-fartsy immigrant and you think that they would sound great on this show? Well, please send an email to podcast at m945.de, podcast at m945.de to submit yourself or your friend to the show. We'd love to have you. Artsy Farty Immigrants, ein Podcast von Jordan Prince, produziert von Moritz Batscheider für M945.